I'm with you. Ten hours straight. He's a machine. So here we go. Chris Hardy. Bill. Billy Boy Walker. Yep. Olivia in the audience. Reading her book. Ridiculing in her mind. I feel judged already. <laughs> we haven't even started. Every time we say something, <laughs> she's going to look up. And you're going to just know it out of the side of your eye there that you said something that's questionable. Yeah, so that's going to be... Yeah, <laughs> she's agreeing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, Chris, you are a training partner of mine. Yeah. At Cascade Jiu-Jitsu. Um, you got an interesting background that you're going to be conversating with me quite a bit. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I'll say that. <laughs> I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, yeah, I'm just enjoying the new space we have here now. I mean, um, that expansion, we're not even through with it. It's already awesome just to have a new you know extra space in the gym and you know it's gonna it's gonna be good for good things coming down the road this next year but um yeah so yeah as you mentioned you know you're you know I won't do too many compliments of you today but you know you're one of my favorite training partners so I appreciate you inviting me to come on and kind of chat some um absolutely the I think something that we have in common and something that uh, part of this podcast or whatever this is I, I, I wanted was having people that train regularly maybe they're not the every tournament kind of person or a competitor that they're doing worlds and pans I think we can add value to those people but this is kind of for the everyday hobbyist that you know we'll test ourselves at tournaments here or there but for the most part we're a middle-aged <laughs> jiu-jitsu practitioner yeah th thanks for really bringing that up <laughs> yeah i think i'm probably one of the oldest people in the academy so um so no but you're right i mean i think most people that do jiu-jitsu they you know people come to it for different reasons right and um it's good for different people in different ways, but most people, let's be realistic, are not making their living doing it. And the people that keep the academies open and the keep people that are really, you know, day in and day out are here are the people that aren't, you know, getting paid to do jujitsu. It's kind of like living the lifestyle, so to speak. So yeah, so it, I think there's a lot to talk about. Um, you know, gosh, we could go down the list of things that I think people would be interested in, but. Um, I'll leave that to you to kind of drive the show. Well, I would say, one, just going into your background a little bit yeah. so people can kind of understand what perspective you're going to bring. Yeah. Um, you know, myself, I'm a photographer, a videographer, but I jumped into jiu-jitsu all in. I, you know, I uh, I train as much as, I guess you could say, a professional competitor pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just a hobbyist. Um, I haven't even, I've never gone into kind of my background in jujitsu and what got me into it or anything. So maybe we can do that. But yours is pretty cool because uh, being a physician, mm -hmm. um, even more than that, your Navy background, mm -hmm. um, all these things have kind of led to where you're at now. Yeah. So I'm, also, you know, well, the background is kind of interesting, but, you know, just to let everybody know, I didn't start jiu-jitsu until, I guess I was 45 when I started as a white belt, right? And I wanted to start for years, but I was moving around. I guess it's not really an excuse, but I wanted to be settled someplace where I could really put my energy into one academy, right, and just not move around every couple of years like we do in the military. So I kind of put it off for a while and, you know, wrote a book and did all kinds of other things, but... Um, you know, plug, do it. Right, right, plug, right. I've been doing it for about five years now. Um, I'm, I just turned 50, and um, so there's definitely some challenges, but it's a pretty cool perspective. But, you know, kind of back up a little bit. Kind of a non-traditional background. I wasn't one of those kids that was like, hey, you know, gosh, I really want to be a doctor when I grow up. I, there's no way. It was the last thing on my mind. 
Um, I was one of those kids. I did pretty well in school in junior elementary and junior junior high. Then had some really kind of some family disruption uh, when I started high school. Really, and plus just being 13 as a boy too. Gosh, my grades started falling. I didn't really do well in high school. I think I got into college just on the strength of SAT scores, right? But then I ended up uh, weird failing out, right? What, where is this? I, I was in uh, Virginia at the time, um, and I was going down to – I went down to Old Dominion University pretty much just so I could surf, honestly. And that's what I did. <laughs> I got really good at surfing, as much as you can on the East Coast anyway. And um, – Ended up failing out, um, ending up having an unplanned pregnancy, and gosh, you know, maybe it's TMI, but it's kind of important for, you know, kind of how it shaped me. I, I went into the military just so I could honestly just support a family, right? And ended up becoming a military deep sea diver. Again, no interest in medicine until my last year there, I started driving hyperbaric chambers as part of our duties. and we were helping out the local hospital with burn patients and I got to sit down while I was driving the chamber with a doctor and we were chatting because some of these treatments are, you know, hours, right? And uh, he's like, hey, you know, you have some scientific aptitude. You ever thought about medicine? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so but that kind of got deep in my head, I guess, over the next year and I eventually decided to get out and just pursue it. Um, and I, then I went to college when I was 25 and did really a lot better the second time in college <laughs> <laughs> and uh, got into med school and then actually went back in the Navy because they said they'd pay for med school for me. So that was a no-brainer. And then I did nine years as a medical officer in the Navy, including some tours in, um, you know, overseas, a medical officer on a warship, and some really cool experiences I wouldn't have had in the civilian world as a doctor. Uh, also, at the same time, I've always been a into strength and conditioning and I actually got my first certification for training people when I was in college tried to help make some extra money putting myself through school and so I've actually been a trainer longer than I've been a doctor so that's kind of where my passion is in musculoskeletal medicine and um, performance and training and recovery and all that stuff I'm currently certified as a certified strength and conditioning specialist and um, kind of melding that into my medical practice and applying it to jiu-jitsu as much as I can. So that's kind of where I'm coming from in my my background. And so, you know, when when we talk about these subjects, that's kind of where I'm coming from. So now from what I know, a little bit of your training background uh, was under Pavel. Yeah, I did, a, I did an RKC cert when Pavel was still with... Um, Dragon Door. He's since ma had his own um, certification, which is fantastic too. I mean, the the kettlebell certifications, the the Dragon Door ones, which are still good, um, and the Strong First ones with Pavel, I highly recommend because you really learn those kettlebell um, movements correctly. What's funny is I actually um, broke my hand during the snatch test. We have to do a, a kettlebell snatch test during the cert, so. Um, I didn't even finish the uh, requirements of the certification to do that, but I mean that's near here nor there because what I learned is just amazing, and I kept applying it. So, yeah, he's, he seems like he's gotten a lot of. I mean, he's always been fairly popular, I think, in that yeah. world. But yeah. obviously, with the Rogan podcast and stuff, he's gotten pretty. Well, there's a reason. It's not just cult of personality, right? I I think he um, he's he's the real deal, and the uh, application of kettlebells and specifically to the combat to combat sports and martial arts in general are really <clears throat> really pretty profound and have made a big difference on how I prepare physically and how I stay strong into my 50s right without uh, joint injuries and things like that which plague people that follow kind of more bodybuilding um, routines and like things me, like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, right. I didn't want to just—I didn't want to point fingers, but you know, yeah, perfect example, right? Um, but yeah, we can talk a lot more about that. But that's generally kind of, you know, my lens on things. So going—I mean, 44, 45 years old. Forty-five when I was a white belt started here. Yeah. <clears throat> what? Because obviously you're a healthy guy. Mm -hmm. You were, you know, at the forefront of you know. Uh, 
the knowledge on, on that sort of stuff. You, you had already written your book at that point. Yeah, yeah, that big wellness book I wrote. Yeah, back, that was published about, gosh, it's been five years now. That's like, that's, that's old news now, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, so as matter of fact, I started training the month after the book was published because I was kind of done with it at that point, right? So I had time to really devote to um, doing what I wanted to do, so. So why? why? Why did you start this thing that will cause you to never wake up without soreness? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's just a... Something I always wanted to do, um, huge fan of UFC, right, back before, way before I was even training. Um, I've been always into individual kind of sports with, you know, like, rock climbing, mountain biking, stuff like that. Um, I'm a type of personality where I need that kind of physical activity to kind of, to really kind of get the crazy out of my head, honestly. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I think I'm just wired in such a way where, I need to get that stuff out um, physically. It, it's my mental well-being kind of depends on it. So it was just a perfect fit and just landed at one of the best academies in the Northwest just by happenstance, right? And so it was just, it worked out great. But I will tell you, <clears throat> you know, I've been mountain biking, doing all that stuff. But as you know, that's a big difference from grappling. And um, mm-hmm. when you think you're fit, you know, and you know, pushing, pushing pace on exercise, it's, there's really nothing that compares to, you know, several rolling sessions in a row. I mean, it's just, it, it beat me up in ways, not in a bad way, but in, and pushed me in ways that I haven't experienced before. So I had to really reassess being an older guy and paying attention to injury because I did, I got injured like twice in my first six months, right? Mm. Just because I was like, okay, I got to reevaluate things. This is a different animal here. So you kind of realized that pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And really saw the holes in my game with mobility. Right. Uh, And then just recovery. Right. I I was used to my mindset is like, oh gosh, I'll be able to train five days a week. And, you know, I quickly found out that that was not the case. Mm-hmm. And we can go into that further, um, probably a whole podcast talking about aging, recovery, stress load, and things like that, where the bottom line is mentally I still feel like I can go, right? But my body absolutely needs a certain amount of recovery that it didn't used to need as much. And right. so that's the difference, I think. And having to find that sweet spot is is actually very challenging. And it's individual and varies from week to week, depending on what's going on. <laughs> right. Do... So I guess the real question is, do I have to call you doctor? <laughs> well, you know, it, yeah, if you want me to talk to you again, I guess you you really should. Like every pay, time? Pay I the have due to respect. Yeah, yeah, if you know it's good for you, you really should. Wow. <laughs> Can you know, too? No, yeah. And you, those of you who don't know, my, my wife's always also a physician that trains with us. Um, so, no, so, no. Uh, matter of fact, oh. I, in all seriousness, I'm, it, this should make you relieved. I'm quite the opposite. It actually makes me a little nervous. Actually, at my actual patients, I'm like, look, you can call me what you want. I know I'm a doctor. I don't need to be told that. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's what I do, not who I am, if that makes sense. Well, if you'd stop walking around with a stethoscope. I know, I man, in the white coat. We'd believe that I a little know, bit more. Yeah, I know, I know. I have to say, yeah. By the way, did you... Did I tell you I was a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't put MD on the end of my That's right. Intro. That's right. Mm. So anyway, yeah, that's that's all just ridiculous. You can't. What is the di- like? What? No, maybe there's no difference. What, what's that? Because I've seen uh, where people will have Doctor Chris Hardy or Chris Hardy MD. Uh huh. I, I don't know. The well, because y- you can be a. a you can have the title doctor without being a physician, right? You can be mm-hmm. a PhD, a scientist, mm-hmm. or, you know, if you have a PhD in something, that's the title of doctor. But it just makes it, people are often confused, and that's why I think that, ty- you know, calling someone doctor is, doesn't really say anything anymore anyway. I'm, I mean, if the degree is what makes you a physician, right? Um, so, gotcha. yeah, that's what it is. Um. Okay. So you're you're an MMA fan. Were you like Pride fan? Like oh yeah, old school. Old school. Starting back when it. Um. And you know what? Really, I remember my brother and I watching. Gosh, when I was in, 
I must have been when I was first in the military and the first UFC came out, right, in 93, um, we were one of the few that actually ordered that thing. <laughs> yeah, with Hoist Gracie and, you know, and awesome. my brother got... What, what made you... What was the conversation? I always like hearing that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, so we would we would watch the boxing things. My brother and I, we, we got tired of paying for Mike Tyson fights that lasted 30 seconds, right? <laughs> and we're like, hey, we have this thing, but my brother actually turned me on to it. He's like, well, this thing's actually several fights, so you'll actually get to see some, and it's just all the different martial arts. My brother was a martial artist. Um, like a more traditional... Karate or something? Yeah, yeah. And we were just like, okay, well, like everyone else, well, what's going to win out, right? Is it going to be the Kung Fu guy? Is it going to be the Taekwondo, the, you know, the wrestler, the, right? And so that was kind of compelling, right? And then I saw this skinny Brazilian guy in a gi <laughs> just <laughs> destroy everyone. And we are like, wow. And that left a huge impression on me that then... So I started following UFC, and then that those early UFCs, and I started, oh, there's another organization that, you know, we, I became a huge Sakuraba fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, just some of those just savage early matches. So, so were you guys kind of like, because Eddie Bravo always talks about how he was all about the karate guy, because he did karate in, when he was a kid. Oh. So he was like, I hope that guy wins. And then Hoist came along and, and beat up everyone, he was like, what? Actually, yeah, no, not as much. I mean, I was just generally, I didn't have a dog in the hunt at that sense. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like a huge martial arts guy at all as far as me studying myself. I mean, I think my brother and I did Taekwondo when I was a kid, right? But um, he got into it on his own um, aside from me where I wasn't even training. Um, it was just more a curiosity to see, okay, well, who's going to win, right? You know, because we always, you know, you play like Street Fighter or something like that, the video <laughs> games, and they have all the different, you know, styles against each For other. Sure. So it was kind of like a live version of that. So so I thought it was kind of cool. Um, but would. yeah, yeah, so I didn't really have, I was just, I was like, wow, that's not what I, the, the outcome was not what I expected, just be the physicality, right, of of the participants, you know. Right, and then being able to see, I mean, it was a really good visual il- illustration of, you know, whether it was people that look like chemo. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, hoist, and, and you're like, these guys are yoked up. Or back then, I I don't remember the guy that, uh, oh, man. he I think he had a black tank top, super deep cut. Yeah. And um, he... he <laughs> full-on mullet like a blonde mullet. oh totally and yeah i can't pull his name yeah yeah but he he had what we would call like a dad bod now yep. you know like he lifted weights a little bit and didn't eat right at all but he, back then he was considered yoked up right and you know he's getting beaten and stuff like that well it's also interesting looking back on it you look at it, even at the walkouts you look at the gracie's walkout and that intensity right Right. And, you know, with them all kind of hands on each other's shoulders and mm-hmm. kind of, and it's just, I was like, okay, wow, this is serious. Um, but after that, I was kind of hooked. And so we started peripherally watching it. And actually, my wife and I got really big into um, UFC in the early days, too. And we, God, we I can't imagine how much money we spent on pay-per-views over the years. But so many times I'd go look at gyms locally as in the military and it wasn't easy back then. It wasn't easy to find, right? Uh, a gym in general that did jujitsu, right? Mm-hmm. Much less a good one. Where, right? where were you living at this time? I, mostly in Virginia at the time. Um, and so it wasn't like, you know, if I lived out in San Diego, I probably could have found some, right? But, um, but the timing was just right, and just, you know, it just happened to be 45. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, better or worse, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, but this is, uh, you know, you know, I think we both agree like a a gym like this is just amazing because, you know, we, we have some really tough people in here, but I've never been worried about my safety, you know, and I think that has to do a lot with who our professor is. So, yeah, the environment is insane and I, I'm kind of a, a nomad myself where, I drop into a lot of gyms, mm-hmm. and training as much as I do, I you end up having to. If you're going to train that much, you you have to drop in some places unless you have a 
gym that's going to have a schedule like Autos or something. No, yeah, sure. But um, you know, we don't have that. We we have our couple uh, midday classes and then uh, PM classes. So if I'm going to do a two a day, that's not on a day that we have mm-hmm. midday, then I'd go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, or a Sunday open mat or something like that. And, and what, what's your general take on um, the different, the cultures and stuff like that from what well, you've seen? Vibe-wise, it's, you notice it immediately. Yeah. And I, because I remember being, when I came to this, to Cascade Jiu-Jitsu, it was under a different umbrella. And uh-huh. I was a two-stripe white belt. Right. And I feel like typically... Because I dropped in places even back then. Two-stripe white belt, you're going to get those hungry eyes from other, you know, the blue belts in the gym, the three-stripe, the four-stripe oh, yeah. white belts. They're going to be looking at you like, it's ADCC, <laughs> and yeah. you're going down, dude. Yeah. Simple as that. This is my territory. And well, I was there when you actually came. You know, that's when I was first starting too. When you came in, I, I just want to tell you that I didn't think that way. I, you know, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. And I, I didn't get that vibe here. Uh, and it's funny because I've lived like five minutes away from here when I started jujitsu, mm-hmm. which is almost three years ago, and. Um, uh, I was going to midday classes at the sister gym at the time, mm-hmm. and um, because I worked down there and PM, it just didn't really work out. So I was every day they have midday down there, and I worked down there, so I just went there. And then my schedule was changing, so then I was, hmm. well, I'll, I'll see how the Everett location is. And it, I'm one of those people that I followed jujitsu since a. Probably 2004 or something like that, um, where I was watching, uh, maybe it was 2003, because I think there was an ADCC in 2003 that I watched, um, but I was watching ADCC and Worlds and all that kind of stuff just as like a fan, and I would never come into gyms because I was just nervous. Yeah. Because I was an MMA fan yep. since I was in high school, you know. 2000, 2001, and um, my buddy Aurelius and I, we would just watch UFCs and try replicating what we were watching, <laughs> and then uh, we started watching Prides back then. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah. Pretty safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was it was ridiculous, <laughs> and um, it, it was it was pretty funny. So he he was in California then, uh, or he he's a Marine, so he lived down there. And, uh, and and stayed down there when he got out, and I just continued watching, and I was just way too nervous. I just never came in. And then financially too, I couldn't do it either, and so I just absorbed jujitsu uh, through watching. And then when I started, I ended up being able to progress pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think it was because, and you can probably speak to this. A big part was. I had seen so much, thousands of hours. So I could identify what a triangle is. I could, I could do a triangle, let's say, from day one. But the finishing technique isn't quite there. If someone put any sort of correct defense, that ain't, uh, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to an arm bar or something like that. Right. You need to have any of those, you know, the chaining of yeah. submissions. That, yeah. You know, but there there is something to that. I mean, there's some motor learning that takes place, usually when people already have some motor skills in something, where you can rehearse the movement in detail in your head, um, and you're actually creating motor pathways that way, which is actually pretty interesting. Um, people do that all the time, um, going through moves. You may have done it when you're trying to work through something in your head, and it just makes it that much easier. Um, and then your body is finally connecting to that, and you're like, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, that's not surprising that you could progress with some of the actual movement, right? So as opposed to someone that's, you know, this is completely foreign to. Yeah, and, and I use triangle as an example just because that's such a jiu-jitsu move. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, like, I could get into the position, I could... 
I and I would watch jujitsu tutorials even. Just I was so into it. I loved it so much. I, I would watch tutorials and and so I I knew already to like not grab the foot to tighten it, grab the shin, right, and yeah. little little stuff like that. And but then when I would try it in class, I, I wouldn't be able to finish it all the time. So when let's say Andrew would show the triangle, he would show like squeezing the knees or mm-hmm. ways to get at a better angle and putting the boots on and little little tiny stuff like that, which made it so my triangle was almost immediately better, which you can probably kind of remember back then yeah. where it was like out of nowhere, I was able to like really progress like really quickly. When it finally clicked, right? And you're like, yeah. oh, because now that my body knows it now too. Um, and I think that's... I think that's really useful. Um, I mean, there's, but it also shows that although it's helpful, really helpful to watch and kind of rehearse in your mind, there's nothing like the kinesthetic kind of development that happens when you got an instructor there. Like, okay, I want you to make this little alteration so you can actually feel it instead of thinking about it, right? And that's when that click happens. So if it's already kind of in your mind already, it, it makes sense that you mm-hmm. can progress faster. Yeah, and that's what I. I feel like I watch so much that I can kind of identify with uh, some of those systems that are out there that are like online. You can get your online bluebell without <laughs> like sparring or something like that. Yeah. And it's, I feel like I can kind of speak to, to that, that that should not happen. Like just you, from your own experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you should, because as soon as I could not, I, and I wasn't like good. I wasn't working out or anything like that. I dabbled in like kettlebells because, like I said, my good friend Aurelius he he was a he's a trainer and, and or at the time he was and mm-hmm. and uh, he's he was on that kettlebell train and body weight train and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I always tried to like not be super fat, but I mean I got up to two thirty and I'm only five nine, so <laughs> or two twenty three. Excuse me. We call that thick. Yeah, <laughs> he's a thick boy. <laughs> and and uh, so. I I couldn't eat, I couldn't get through warm-ups and it wasn't intense warm-ups. Um, I just don't do them now because I'm a purple belt, so I just don't have to. I, I noticed that you guys <laughs> do walk in late after I'm doing warm-ups with everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then well, it's it's good you've gotten on the the train of calling calling us out when we walk in the room. Yeah, I, I've noticed that that's been pretty consistent, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Discipline for freedom. <laughs> It's actually just for my own amusement. It's really not for your betterment at all, actually. Well, now it's it's we just had a gym reno, so it's going to be really hard to sneak in because I can't just get right into the changing room. I have to walk. You have to walk right through us. It's, it's like shame. the walk of shame. It's yeah. exactly what it is. You're yeah. like, yeah, he's missing his warm-ups again. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well. Which, which, you know, I mean, you know enough and you – at this time and prep enough where you know what you have to do to get your body ready. But I'll tell you, those warm-ups are really important. So I'm trying to shame you right yeah. now just a little bit and, like, you know. Well, actually, touch it, touching on the warm-ups because yeah. the warm-ups, 100%, the, the certain – there's a we, – we do line drill sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we do – uh, a shorter version sometimes where there's maybe just a little bit of getting the, the muscles going, but you will do a couple, it seems like you have a couple packages almost like there's yeah. a, you know, for your hips and for your shoulders, for your neck, mm-hmm. those legitimately, and it's not your traditional kind of uh, just jujitsu, you know, uh, spinning your legs up, doing triangles in, in, yeah. in one place or it, it, there's some specific movements that you have that, I, you know, being a photographer, I, I drive to locations a lot, so I'm in, I have a lot of windshield time sometimes where I'm driving a couple hundred, 150 miles in a day is, is easy, or just spending four hours in traffic a day is, is super common for me, so I'm sitting down in these long periods, so my hips tighten up like crazy, super common, or I'm editing all day, so I'm mm-hmm. at a desk. Um, the warm-ups are actually tremendous for me. The, it's when I started ramping up my training when I was training in the midday and training at night that I started, uh, coming in later (laughs) because my body almost, it almost felt like I couldn't handle 
like if I had a good hard training session in the midday and then I tried doing all the warm ups and it was almost like I was and I you know I this is something that you know I should obviously come to you and be like hey what should I do in this case because yeah. my shoulders are actually starting to hurt when we're doing the shoulder stuff and you know that's that's probably the best thing to do rather than just keep it to myself but um uh in those cases that's where I'm like oh I, I can't even do them but when I'm not doing two days those warm-ups and maybe you can speak on like why 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 are we doing these funky they almost seem like yoga kind of things yeah they do like, don't they yeah there there's a interesting yoga feel there's a interesting kind of actual like body weight workout kind of feel to them mm-hmm. what's what's the theory yeah. why are we doing well this? I, they're always a work in progress right yeah and so what was great is andrew is just such an open-minded guy as our professor that <clears throat> He's all about just doing things better, right? He's not stuck to anything. So there are some people that just like, this is the way I do my warm-ups, and that's what we're going to do. And it's what my professor did, so I'm doing them, right? He was really open to looking at things for some injury prevention. And quite, quite honestly, a lot of these things I developed from the strength and conditioning background, but really just for my own needs, honestly, being an older person. It's like you, you don't have any wiggle room, right? And you already touched on, we are all sitting around in seated positions, right, in cars, at desks, getting super tight hip flexors. Our glutes are completely absent. (laughs) (laughs) They're just not firing, right? Kind of weaker abdominals, and um, you kind of get into this uh, biomechanical problem that, you know, those of you that geek out on this stuff, uh, Vladimir Yanda, spelled with a J, um, he came up with this whole way of looking at these things called, you know, lower cross and upper cross syndrome. Really super interesting to look at. And what I found is jujitsu actually accentuates all those problems. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at what we do, we're all crouched over, we're in a hunched position, we're playing guard, those hip flexors are even more active, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We're in these kind of... Like when they're contracted, like if our knees are to our chest. That's right. I mean, and, you know, very rarely are we doing a lot of kind of hip extension, you know, activating gluteal, you know, it is very, very dominant um, kind of, you know, that whole fetal position thing, right? Mm -hmm. We're all kind of curled up. And so a lot of these warm-ups are really to kind of rebalance these imbalances that we have in daily life that are accentuated by jujitsu. And, and once you get things firing again and balanced right, you're a lot less prone to injury. And so that's a lot of the reason why we're doing the way things we do is first, honestly, to keep me from getting injured. <laughs> no, really, but, but keeping everyone else. Um, because, I mean, that's the biggest problem, especially with us that are hobbyists, right? What's the biggest problem in jiu-jitsu is injuries, right? Yeah. I mean, you, that's what keeps you off the mat more than anything. And it's terrible. Um, So if we can prevent a lot of that stuff um, just from a good warm-up to get our our brain firing the right things, right, Mm -hmm. Um, it makes things much less tight and prone to to, to tearing and our joints are, you know, hips are more mobile and backs are usually better. So, yeah. yeah. So that's why. I mean, if you had... Now, I know we're going to... We're gonna spend an hour on this on another time, <laughs> probably more even. Yeah. But for now, if you had one, like, and there's probably not just one, but one, at least one, really good piece of advice to staying on the mats, especially being a hobbyist, someone that's, you know, whether they, go, I think you usually average about three times a week, right? Yep. Um, pretty consistent on that. Yep. And, um how to do that at, you know, I'm, I'm 36. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we, how do we do that? You know, I have, you know, I'll, I'll say something too. Uh, but h- how would you say, what's one kind of good thing to do to try to stay on the mats? Yeah. The mobility thing is huge. And I'll say specifically, if you look at the, some of the biggest injuries in jujitsu, I mean, I would, well, let's take away the elbows <laughs> and show, you know, that's, let's just talk about kind of the back and knees and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, do you say, 
not the elbows just because uh, those well that's another discussion well yeah because i mean honestly that's you know with arm bars and stuff yeah. like that you really need to tap when you need to tap gotcha right? Um, so taking those out, which are, are being compromised anyways. From submissions, yeah. right? Okay. So just in general for scrambles and movement and stuff like that, holding guard. I think if you can get good hip mobility, um, that will go a long way in preventing knee injuries. Believe it or not, because you think about it, the knee is a hinge, right? It can right. go one direction, basically. And if those hips aren't mobile... You get in certain positions, it forces those knees to go somewhere places they don't like, mm-hmm. and that will definitely cause some knee injuries. And also, the lower back is not supposed to be a mobile structure either. The upper back is, but not the lower. And if those hips aren't mobile, it puts all that extra stress on the lower back as well, too. So if I would say something to work on for mobility-wise, hips in all planes, I'm not talking, you know, flexion, extension, internal rotation, and external rotation. I don't even know what inflection. Flexion? Flexion Flexion is just like when you bring, you bring your knee to your chest. That's when you put your hip into flexion. Extension is when you bring out your leg behind you, right? Okay. The other way. Like grabbing your, yeah, exactly. Twisting around and grabbing your foot. That's right. Right. So where, where your hip, where your leg goes behind your body, like when you do a step off, when you walk, when your legs behind you, Mm -hmm. your hip is into extension at that point. Okay. When it comes closer to your chest, it's inflection. And when you kind of open the hips and close the hips, uh, you know, external rotation, like and a butterfly it, stretch. Exactly. Like that that's external rotation. The opposite is internal rotation, which almost no one works. Yeah. And I see a lot of... attacked when you Well, that. I you was looking me. sideways right at you, you because... You looked at me. Kind of a perfect example of someone that has really good external rotation in your hips, but your internal rotation is, is bad, right? Some, and, some, some would call it poor. Yeah. I, I would call it very poor, actually. And so, um, but that would be, that would be, you know, to balance it out because there was a really good physical therapist, still is, not was, he still is amazing. It's called Gray Cook. He came up with something called the functional movement screen. Emerald? Gray Cook. Oh, I thought you said a great cook. Gray, gray, not oh. Emerald. <laughs> 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 He'll probably crack up at this. But um, he came up with the functional movement screen that a lot of professionals um organizations use like NFL and the NBA and all that. And what they've shown is even in high level athletes that muscle imbalances are the biggest predictor of um, injury, future injury. And that includes side to side where, okay, I can do this on my right side, but I can't do this on my left. And so normalizing that stuff is super important. Um, So so muscle imbalance and now just stretching alone would, would help. I mean, now obviously there's a ton of things, but yeah. stretching is kind of like A1. That's the easiest thing you can attack. Well, it, it is, but that, that's a whole other podcast too. Talk about stretching. What are mm-hmm. we actually doing? Is it truly stretching or are we actually getting the nervous system to relax things out of a protective response, right? That's mm-hmm. a whole other thing, but most people call it st- There's better ways to mobilize. I prefer mobility. Mm-hmm. Stretching is really flexibility, right? Yeah. So in a one position, can you move a joint to this position? Mobility is, can you do that in real life? Can you do that in a active movement, right? And I think that's more important. Mm-hmm. But gotcha. I just want to split hairs here just a little bit. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, I mean, that's what a doctor does. That's right. Because, <laughs> but, but anyway, I think, I think that um, that's probably the... Mo- get a mobility work is the most important thing. And then shoring up your um, strength deficits, some things that are inhibited. And we can go, it, that would go a lot better if we had some visual things that mm-hmm. we could kind of show people what I mean by that. Um, you know, for instance, just a real quick example, um, a lot of us have really tight hip flexors because we sit all day into that flex position anyway. And then we come out here on the mats and play butterfly guard all day. All right. mm-hmm. I'm just saying, yeah, you know, just yeah. with that same position where we're not working the glutes, the opposite. And we find, and that's a real problem, um, especially with low back pain. Um, and a lot of that can be prevented by having, by getting that glute activation. So anyway, th- that's a whole nother kind of, I mean, we could really go deep into that with some visuals too. Yeah. It's, okay. So mobility is going to be the thing that is going to, 
one of the biggest things that will keep you on the map right there. Absolutely. And and the, the second thing, just real quick, would be um, really paying attention to your recovery. Most injuries happen when your nervous system is fatigued. You lose some motor control, and you get in positions that – that aren't good for you and you're you're mm-hmm. you aren't able to activate a lot of those stabilizers and when you're super fatigued and your body's kind of beat down again that's something i really want to get into in a further yeah you know episode where we can talk about how you know when you're recovered and how you don't and right yeah i mean you kind of touched on one of the things that i think make it so i can stay on the mat with training mm-hmm. as much as i do because mm-hmm. i'll i'll do Maybe, I mean, recently, probably for the last year, I, I've I've trained at least five or six times a week, mm-hmm. so sessions, um, going up to nine or ten <laughs> on on like a high end. Yeah, where I'm doing two a days and well, no days off. Wow. Well, yeah. Um, I was keeping track of this year. Um, we're in March now before I hurt my knee, um, I I think I was pacing like one a day. Yeah. Now, I didn't literally train once every day for the first 60 days. I know what you mean, though. But, yeah, it was, if I had a Sunday off, Monday I was doing a two-a-day so I could catch that day back. Well, well I mean, it, it's, especially training like that, then what I would say then is, at the minimum, you should, for every hour you spend on the mats, you should spend an hour doing mobility work outside. Yeah. So if someone's like actually putting some decent time in. Yeah. Let, let's let's just say five six sessions a week. Yeah. They need to really be putting some focus on that. You yeah, absolutely because if you don't do that preventive maintenance, you're it, yeah. it's it's going to accumulate. <laughs> so. Oh wow. Uh, that was a look. Olivia just her head popped out from behind the computer screen. Look like a giraffe staring at me. Yeah. What? I wouldn't call her giraffe-like at all. L- Olivia, I'd, that wouldn't be your spirit animal if I came up with Really? What would, you. Chris? I don't More like a... What? No. Huh? I, I would say a, a really kind of uh, <laughs> sleek and sophisticated badger mm. that could tear someone up if they wanted She is a badger. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love that? I just put that right on you, like, enjoy. There we go. Sweet and sophisticated. Yes. So, yeah, so you, in other words, you should be spending just amount, as, enough t- as much time as you are on the mats doing, doing mobility prep. So I think with the only reason I've been able to have such a long period, because, um, I mean, in the last almost three years that I've been trained, I've, I've trained a lot that whole time. I put a lot of time in. Um, and I just smushed it all in there. But specifically in the last year, I think one of the reasons I have been able to escape injury, except for I, I did have a rib pop out <laughs> that one time. Yeah. Um, and then obviously my current knee situation, which I'd say both were not not do they did they weren't caused by fatigue or something like mm-hmm. that. There were um, you know odd dynamics to a submission or sure uh something almost freak right yeah now but a big thing and you kind of touched on it is being able to tap in not full-on submissions you know right if if you know you're dead to rights and you're in a bad spot you have to know your training partner yep so if you don't know him let's say you're willing to just tap and get out of that yeah, spot yeah. because it's not a trusted person or it's not someone you know they get a little excited in submissions <laughs> yeah <laughs> so oh my f- my first heel hook right <laughs> yeah. yeah and so that's just let go of the ego and just be like because you have to protect yourself we're not we're not doing this for money right right this isn't your livelihood on the line here so we want to keep you on the mats instead of but sometimes in the heat of battle, so to speak, you know, yeah. sometimes you're like, I can get out of this. And it's like, well, you know. Yeah. And being able to say no to training with certain people, that's a huge part. If they have maybe a large size advantage or they are just, <clears throat> excuse me, they are a really tough role. Like 
and they're bigger than you or stronger than you, yeah. and and you know that they're just gonna put the smush on you. Maybe, maybe you're more skilled. Maybe you catch them once a roll, and mm-hmm. you still technically win the roll, but you're getting destroyed during that roll. Yeah, and I I don't mind that as much, honestly, if someone big just squishing me inside control as much as as long as they're not kind of you know the typical kind of spazzy and uncontrolled. That's what I'm scared of, honestly. Right. As long as they have some control, I'm fine. Um, I just know that, you know, yeah, it's no fun being on side, bottom of side control on a really big person. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think of Mikey Musumeci. You know, he's doing the open weights yeah, now. Yeah, and that's a perfect example, right? And but I think he's 140 pounds or yeah. something. And that first match at Europeans that he had, he yeah. drew a guy that was 400-plus pounds. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Mikey, I think, I don't know how tall he is, but he's very short. Yeah. He 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 obviously can't even wrap his legs around him. So he's just playing open guard immediately. Right. And what the guy did was he just went for that kind of a cross face and tripod and put all of his weight mm-hmm. into him and just sat there. Right. Like that and and just crushed Mikey's spine and neck and jaw yeah. and and yeah. was hoping he could just tap him to that. Yeah. And almost the whole match went just like that and the rest gave it to Mikey. Yeah, was, well, I think it was a rough decision. Yeah, it's kind of goonish, though. Right? It was super goonish, you and know, it wasn't so. actual jiu-jitsu. And then right. he went on to go against Muhammad Ali, right? which is, I think, an ultra or super heavyweight yeah. world champ. But, and but he used jiu-jitsu with him. Right, and that's the point, though. You know, there's a difference between a big, you know, real big muscular heavy athletic mm-hmm. black belt and a brand new white belt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so just be, being aware of, like you were saying, picking right. those, yeah, being just careful with that. And, and that's, and so what I was saying is I, I have to, like in the midday class, there is giants. Yes. And maybe they only have like 30 pounds on me or 25 or something like that, but the, they're, they're good. Like they're 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 very they're they're good blue belts. They're or, big and athletic. Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, let's just say what it is. Rashawn's an animal. <laughs> calling him out on the boat. He he almost. Did you hear he almost got arrested in another country for eating children? No. I I I thought that was alleged. I true. Okay. Well, I, we'll put it down there. Um, <laughs> allegedly. And I, I just it's amazing. So now, I'm assuming he's going to listen to this, and I'm just going to say that I do not actually support that comment whatsoever well and i just want to just say that that was completely your idea that's debatable so (laughs) (laughs) but you know that guy is he's a judo brown belt right he's on he says he's 265 and i'm saying that's after he drank the night before and (laughs) is completely depleted of everything inside of him (laughs) and he's he's an athletic machine and um it, so I can't roll with guys like that or, um, you know, guys that are similar that, that are very athletic and they're, they're, they got a lot of good pressure. They got, got a lot of good weight and they got good technique too. Well, I, I, I can't. Well, you can't that. roll like you want to roll. Right, yeah. You can roll with them, but you got to get into defensive mode, right? Put some yeah. feet on some hips and keep them off of you basically. Right. right? And, and the win is actually, like in my mind. Yeah. And then Professor Andrew actually instilled this is a win can be just like holding them at bay that's right and that's important because you just manage your expectations on those things yeah right exactly yeah rather than you know the the normal feeling of like well, i'm gonna sweep this <laughs> right here <laughs> right you know yeah. it, it ends up being a different mentality but that's what i struggle with too though yeah i think we all do honestly bill i mean because you're you know but you really have to that just takes some mindfulness and really some looking at what you're trying to accomplish with every roll, right? And yeah. Because we shouldn't be here rolling and sparring just trying to go for the win. Mm-hmm. The whole idea in this gym here is to develop your jiu-jitsu, right? And yeah. sometimes that means trying stuff that you haven't tried before, getting smashed, and that's just part of it, Can right? you look directly at Amy and Olivia when you say that and just repeat it again? What's that? You know I'm old. I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> it was something profound, I'm sure, that it just is you gone blanked now. Out for a I second. blanked out and just had a channeled someone Where that was smart. 
you know, it's okay. Well, we got a recording of it. Oh, we'll, thank we'll, you. That we'll really helped. Me. You know, I do have my AARP card now too, so you know, we got, I got to play that one up. Only, yeah, we've only had that for like 20 years, so it's good. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, that that was that was my thing is to be able to train as much as I do is not is being able to say no to certain roles is, it can be huge. Yeah. Um, and not not and you do this. It, you will turn down a role if like maybe you had you had two or three hard roles yep and you're feeling it you know if there's certain like if someone asks like a like a Zerati you know he now Zerati can go easy for sure Zerati's got tremendous control but if you want to ramp up Zerati's down yeah and I that's managing my own honestly my own recovery is what that is that is really that is not as much to do with the training partners as it is my own recovery yeah Uh, and being able but knowing that and being able to to say no knowing that and being able to say no is really hard get you next time exactly yeah for sure the uh there's a black belt trying to get on the map I know I saw that right now we just called him out I know immediately sneaking around (laughs) yeah his ankles are going to start popping as he's walking so so <laughs> so it's amazing how um, brave you are behind the microphone. Actually, yes, I just just want yes. to point that out that you're you know you're calling out all these monsters and then saying disparaging yeah. things about a professor, <laughs> and uh, I just find that interesting. Well, you know, I'm just gonna get sick so I can cough on everybody. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, let's not go there. <laughs> ah, hello, hello. Uh, so any, but but that goes to, and I do want to. Maybe we can do another um, episode sometime mm-hmm. where we can really get deep into the recovery thing, yep. and and because that's really important to yeah. stay healthy, especially especially during cold and flu season when you don't want to walk around immunosuppressed because mm-hmm. okay? that's what happens when you get overtrained. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll be a huge thing just because that is super common, you know, for to, to stay on the mats because we, we will get people that come in that are training and they probably shouldn't. Well, let's face it. It's This is addictive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so they'll yeah. come in and say, I'm going to push through it. It's like, okay, dummy, but... I yeah. know, and I've been that dummy too. And that even comes down to like the really dangerous stuff, whether that's staff or exactly, something of that sort. Exactly. So you know, that's why it's important to kind of have that kind of communication, which I think we do a really good job here with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to actually ask you about, uh, and I told you to try to think of something, uh, mm-hmm. something that people can check out on YouTube or Flow Grappling or something, a video or oh, yeah. a couple videos that that. Well, you find valuable. Well, the most valuable one is we just made an amazing one today mm. that is going to be just like, I, I don't think, better than any ones, I think, online. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you're definitely going to have to check that out if you want to learn anything about jujitsu. Yes. No, anyway. Agreed. <laughs> to answer your question, though, no, what I like, what I think is more valuable, instead of watching a bunch of moves or instructionals, I like watching rolling, and then especially if someone narrates the role. There's right. a couple people that do that real well. Roy Dean, I think, does it pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll yeah. have people rolling, and then he'll kind of do a play-by-play in his hypnotic voice. You know, <laughs> he <laughs> and, is quite hypnotic. And, and yeah. uh, but it's it's that's valuable because then I can watch, and then you know, and he even says, well, you know, he had this here, and he could have. To me, I think that's the most valuable thing. Instead of, for someone starting, don't run out. I mean, you could go and get the technique of the day, right? And mm-hmm. then say, I'm going to come in and bear and bolo someone, right? Or whatever. Right. I don't think that's as valuable as looking at basic, not basic, a fundamental jujitsu yeah. where people are actually in real situations. And like, you know, it's like, well, what would I do in that situation? You watch someone do it and watch someone comment on it in real yeah. time. I think that's the most beneficial for me anyway. Yeah, I think Keenan has like a 40-minute video um, where, there was, yeah, we're where he's narrating at a seminar. It. He's like rolling with a bunch of different people. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, think that's, I think that's, for me anyway, I think yeah. that's the most helpful just to kind of watch it in a real environment. And it also helps you put the pieces together like, oh, that's what we're learning this. He just, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it doesn't look like a, just a series of just techniques. It's like, okay, it's some concepts you can see over and over. Yeah, there is also an old series. I don't know who these guys were, but they, they went to Marcelo Garcia's gym. Yeah. And I want to say the guy was a brown belt or something. But he 
he rolled with Marcelo and then was able to talk with Marcelo and watch the video yeah. and, and go over the, that's, uh, that, that was would, pretty cool. That's great. You know, anything yeah. like that would be perfect for me. Anyway. I think even the fight companions when Rogan and all them do them and you start <laughs> to hear them talk about, uh, if there's an interaction on the ground and they actually focus on, <laughs> on it for well, a moment. When they're not talking about conspiracy <laughs> theories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 They got to focus on it for yeah, a second. Yeah. Yeah. That when, um, when whether it's Eddie or or Rogan or whoever, when they're actually like going in depth about the position and the possibilities and stuff like that, again, it's like gold. Again, that's what I, I kind of like watching that in real time. I think that's what I would do if that's the kind of advice. Yeah. If you're going to supplement what you're doing outside, mm-hmm. that's what I would. If do. you can like yeah, do something to absorb. Because when yeah. I like I was saying, I, I I've been into jiu-jitsu for so long, but I never really came in. Uh, I was absorbing that kind of stuff, and I. Was, like uh, the old Budo Jake yeah. stuff. Yeah. He would go, he wasn't even a black belt yet, and he would go around and like yep. get beat up by yep. the top level black belts, and it would look just silly, which was crazy because you're like, but then they would give him some good. feedback right away. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. That, that, so that's that stuff is a lot more valuable. Which than flow grappling is starting to do something with called like mm-hmm. fix your game. And I think it's. Uh, and with that one purple belt? I forgot his name. The, and they they started having the uh, the big guy read, yeah. which he just got his brown belt. But uh, both but, of them, they just get beat up, and then yeah. <laughs> they talk about like what what happened there. Yeah, that kind of stuff in general, just that theme, I think is a lot lot more valuable. Yeah. Um, than than sitting there and just trying to do a bunch of techniques when you don't even have your fundamentals yeah. solid. Yeah. The one that I like is Glover's travels. It was Jeff Glover. He. I want to say like four or five episodes, maybe yep. that that uh, Budo videos uh, sent him on uh, to different gyms. One he went to his own gym, and it was uh, I think it was Paragon mm-hmm. uh, with Frangia down there, and it was him and Bill Cooper, and they were like the grappling. <laughs> what what was that tournament called? Uh, Grappler's Quest, yeah. um, where they were like the kings of Grappler's Quest back then. And that was one of the first times I, I found out what flow rolling was. Because yeah. flow rolling is like... You it, mean real flow rolling? or a real what flow people rolling. people call flow yeah, rolling. Flow <laughs> they turn up the amplitude trust right me, away. <laughs> I don't trust you anymore, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to flow roll. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and it, it's like legit, like... it. it it was like one of the first times when I saw that, I was just like, this is like getting a little silly here. But I mean, I was like, this is like art. Like, But this you can is see like how legit. they're piecing together transitions. You can totally. see sequencing things. And totally. Then that's what I mean by taking that and looking at the big picture and how all these things are interacting with each other. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I want to say it was episode one um, that that he, he does that with uh, with Bill Cooper, and it's a two-part series with, within that first episode, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I think it's in the second one. That, and, and you, you see, and it's just, it's, it's incredible to watch. And, and, and if you can really learn from that and, and take that in and find a partner that, that is willing to actually flow and, like, go move for move and, mm-hmm. and, and experiment, you're going to ex- find yourself in positions in those moments that you become comfortable with that, that when you actually get but put in the situation, it's like it's it, not so foreign. But then it goes back to what we were talking about: is actually coming in here to train, and not necessarily just to get a win or a tap every time. Right. To put yourself in positions you're trying to learn. Yeah, I mean, one day right. you will learn that, and you'll take it to heart that you don't <laughs> have to win every role. I, I still working on. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to the guy over here, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I, I mean, you're lucky I have sleeves on is what we're talking about. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, dude. I, I just think it's, <laughs> that's just purple belt. Life, I know, exactly. Uh, yeah, the, the dude from up north, he, he hates perps. He doesn't like perps. He yeah. hates them. I, I, don't, I don't really like myself either. Clay. I, I kind of have a little bit of self-shaming going on just for yeah. being one. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> What was it? Is his last name Davidson? I don't know. I, I see you're the one calling people out here That's on true. a podcast, dude. I'm not trying he's, to do he's that. He's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> he's, he's got a tremendous <laughs> okay. accent. Yep, and he says a boot. It's all about the accent. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to touch on? No, I mean, there's a lot we have touched on. There's definitely some stuff just for people's. I mean, don't want to turn this into just a long, extended discussion right now, but. I definitely want to come back and really hit that recovery piece pretty hard. Yeah. Um, I think it would be good. And some specifics on, you mm-hmm. know, some 
prep and injury prevention, I think, would be helpful. And, you know, as we all age, you know, how to stay on the mats injury-free and keep doing this for life, you know, is really kind of what I'm all about. Any, just the last thing, any quick supplements that are, like, go-tos that you just think, it's silly if you're not taking these, if you're going three times a week? In general, you want to get good immune support. Um, Make sure your vitamin, I I mean, I'm not a huge supplement guy, but just Mm -hmm. generally, you know, get your vitamin D levels checked. Mm. That's super important for just immune support and keeping yourself healthy. A lot of people are really deficient, especially with us here in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only one I normally uh, take is magnesium because the soils are generally depleted. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all a little deficient. That's really important with energy production, too. Well, fish oil. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... That you really, if you're really doing your diet right, you don't really need to be supplementing fish oil. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good question. Though we could get it, we could ho- have a whole nutrition yeah. podcast, honestly. Probably. But honestly, I'm a big vitamin D and magnesium are pretty much the only things I really supplement regularly. Got it. Yeah. I think that's it. We just hit an hour. All right. Well, perfect. Thanks, Bill, for for yeah. uh, having me on and let me abuse you a little bit. Yeah. And I really like how you've kind of set yourself up to you know talk badly about our um <laughs> bigger people than us and oh, also purely complimentary oh, was it yeah it's, it's amazing. And next time i'll wear pants <laughs> okay that's so amazing well thanks man bye-bye all right <laughs> i don't know how you end those things hey you say thank you you bet oh my gosh